RadioInfluence.com. Welcome in, guys. This is a place for my head. He's Brandon Thompson. I'm Jerry P. Tuck. We're just a couple of guys talking about stuff that nobody else wants to talk about. But damn it, we're opening the door and kicking that bitch in. So mm-hmm. let's hop right in, shall we? Mm-hmm. You're out. You're listening to this podcast. You know, we talk about mental health of all forms. Last week, we had a great response to our, our holiday episode of, you know, family drama, stress, looking out for everybody. But, you know, today we want to talk about the 16 myths about depression. I think this is something a lot of people can relate to. Uh, yep. And you and I have talked about it. We, we found this article in uh, Medical News Today. It was medicalnewstoday.com. Uh, Jennifer Huizen. I hope that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll call her Jen. Yeah. Jen wrote this article uh, about the 16 myths of depression. And, you know, she kicks off with the, I I'm, guess I'm going to call it the medical definition of depression, where she says, quote, Depression is a condition that negatively affects how a person thinks, feels, and acts with systems persi- systems with symptoms persisting for at least two consecutive weeks. Uh, Why is there a time frame on this? Yeah. So it has to, so if it wait, so if I understand that correctly, you have to have at least two weeks of this problem or it's not diagnosed. Thirteen and a half days isn't gonna cut it. You need to have that <laughs> extra half day. <laughs> <laughs> I hate stats. I oh, really God. do. Oh, God. Um, but, you know, this is an, in, an interesting article because, again, I, I think this is something that a ton of people can relate to. Um, you know, she just wrote the article, but a lot of the stats are based on 2017. So keep that in mind, because I would imagine over the last two years, uh, these numbers have grown. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, in the article, it says in 2017, around 7.1 percent of all adults in the U.S., experienced at least one episode of major depression. So think about that. 7.1% of adults, that's not including kids. Mm -hmm. So I think it's safe to say that number is probably a lot higher. Yeah. Yeah, I would assume so. Um, You know, uh, depression is one of those things that it's hard to put a label on because it affects everybody differently. Um, You know, and let's, let's hop right into this list. You know, uh, the first thing on her list, number one, she says, depression is not a real condition. Again, we want to reiterate, these are myths. Right. (laughs) These are myths. We know it's a real condition. Yes. You know, a lot of people are dealing with it. And, you know, the problem is, medically speaking, there's a lot about depression that, that frankly, is misunderstood and just unknown. Um, you know, she says it's 63 point. I love her stats. 63.8%, not 63.7, not 63.9, point 63.8% of adults who exp- have experienced at least one episode of major depression were severely impaired by it. I'm surprised that number isn't higher. It probably will be. I mean, considering that was 2017. Right. Because... I know people that have dealt with depression their entire life. And when they get in a depressive state, they physically can't get out of bed. Yeah. Shut down, man. They can't get out of bed. They can't function. It's the old proverbial, you know, shower, shit and shave. And that's it. Yep. Yep. And stay away. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, again, I want to say this. It affects everybody differently. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some really high functioning people out there that are depressed out of their mind and you have no clue about it. Yeah. And, and what, what they refer to here or Jen, 
Um, Poison. <laughs> one episode of major depression uh, that impaired their condition, that severely impaired their condition. Like, So my question is, you know, the, the person that goes through an episode of major depression, we don't know what that is, right? So they're severely depressed because of an action. Something happened, and they, as a reaction to that, they are severely depressed, and that happens at least once, and then it affects the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. That, so I just wanted to kind of be clear on that. Yeah, because depression isn't one of those things like a cold where, oh, I have a cold, it's over, bye. Right. You know, it doesn't work like that. Or, I mean, it is a con- it's a real condition. It's a real illness. So not only is depression uh, derived from something that happened in your past or something major that happens to you, it could live chemically in your brain without right. control. And so people that think that people either choose to be sad or choose to be happy or, you know, it's like this whole fucking phenomenon, whatever the hell you want to call it, is a choice. You're crazy. And we're going to get into all of that because here's a little teaser. You ready? (laughs) That's on the list later. So we're going to get into that in a little bit. But number two, medications. Again, these are myths. Uh These are myths. So when I say these these are myths. Medications are always the best way to treat depression. I think it's safe to say that, you know, with, with everything we know about prescription drugs and things like that, I think it's safe to say that that's pretty obviously not the case. Yeah. And I would, you know, does it help? It can help. Sure. Absolutely. Don't, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. Sure. But is it the best way? Not for everybody. Not for everybody. And that's the thing. That's what makes it a myth because some people rely on those to get through life. Right. Okay, good. If, if that's what helps you, awesome. If running helps you, awesome. If lifting weights helps you, great. If writing poems, I mean, there's so many different things that people do. Yoga, anything to center them and, and make them mentally healthy. Um, some people can't, they don't have the ability to find those things to balance them out. And I'm sorry, but there are different levels of depression. Well, and some people are are literally physically, chemically incapable of fixing themselves. And we've talked about that before. Right. Yeah. You can't, you're not the, you can't fix yourself. You're because you're already not there to fix yourself. But like mainly like, you know, certain people that can, can, you know, I know people that are holistic and stuff, they, they, They'll go and get like different types of teas and oils, CBD, mm-hmm. like all that kind of stuff. And that helps them. But some other people may not, may not be as fortunate and they have to rely on medication to help them get to even the level that the other people are at. Because, you know, I know people that, that, that you know, do the medication stuff. And I've personally done the medication before and like it gets you there, but it doesn't go away. It might take the edge off. Right. It's, it's kind of like when you when you do get a cold. And you want to go get some cold medicine. It's it doesn't cure what's going on. It just like it just helps with the symptoms. Right. So it takes the symptoms away a little bit. Yeah, I, I get, still lingers. Right. right? I, I get migraine headaches. Mm-hmm. I I used to get them every couple months. Now it's pretty infrequent. But I recently had one, and it's like I could take an entire bottle of ibuprofen, and it isn't going to cut it. Right. You know, along the same lines, I've discovered rubbing peppermint oil on my temples actually works it doesn't get rid of it but it it, it totally takes the edge off and yeah i'm not one of those you know hoity-toity essential oil people (laughs) but the peppermint oil thing works and there's scientific fact you know to back it right 
um, you know, because the the cooling aspect of it and, and everything else, it helps with inflammation. That's why a lot of things like Icy Hot, mm-hmm. Bengay have peppermint in them or menthol in them. There's also a pressure point in your hand that you can squeeze and massage. It also helps with that stuff. I oh, sh- really? I can show you later. Promise. <laughs> I promise. Don't threaten me with a good time. It does work, though. <laughs> it works. <laughs> this just got awkward. Number three on the myth list. Uh, see how I changed it. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. That was a nice awkward. pivot. Awkward. Anyways, depression is always triggered by a traumatic event. That is one of the biggest myths and bullshit statements I have ever heard in my life. And I've heard that from people. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just said it. You've had you've had a great life. I don't know why you're so depressed. What's yeah. wrong with you? Yeah. You're, well, would you like a list? I mean, alphabetical, I mean, numerical. What do you want? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, I, I just said it too. Like the, you know, people are, are unfortunately born with the chemical imbalance, whatever, whatever it may be. They didn't do something didn't happen to them. Um, and you know, it just developed over time and it, you know, they could be the happiest person on the planet, but fighting the hardest fight on the inside doesn't mean that they got in a car wreck and they became depressed. Right. And th- those are the people that might lean on medication or something like that to get out of it just to get a little bit better and get those symptoms taken care of so they can live, a, you know, live life. Right. And, and, but this, this is just someone, someone saying depression is always triggered by a traumatic event. But we've blah, all blah. heard that though. I right. mean, it's the person that's, I, I hate saying ignorant right now because they're trying to talk about this and stuff like that, but that's the person that's not educated in the space. No doubt. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and the, unfortunately, there are a lot more ignorant people in this world to this subject than there aren't. Yep. You know, and I, I've worked with people that have literally said that when someone we work with or that I've worked with has dealt with depression and it's, it's a pretty, you know, fairly open stat uh, or a fact. And they're like, well, you know, I just don't understand. It's like, you don't have to understand. Yeah. There isn't anything for you to understand. Right. Just know the person's dealing with something and he'll get through it. Mm-hmm. She'll get through it. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't always have to have answers to, to please you. Depression right. isn't one of those things that, you know, it, it, it's hard. Okay. It's hard enough for the person going through it to understand, but when they don't understand what's going on, how do you expect them to explain it to you to make you understand? Oh, yes. A hundred percent. And, and, and guess what? The depression in that situation is about the person that's depressed, not the person that wants to tell the person why they're depressed and how they're depressed and tell them how, what to do and all that. Kind right. Of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, when you look at someone and go, well, you're not depressed. Okay. Now you're making it about you and not the person that's going through the problems. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like uh, one of our guests a few times ago when she was, she mentioned suicide in her attempts and she was trying to be open and honest and someone blatantly told her, no, you didn't. Well, I'm pretty sure. I still think that's one of the greatest stories I've I, ever heard. I, right. And I'm pretty, I, I did this. I took these, I, pretty sure i tried i'm fairly certain i know what i was doing yeah so don't tell me i didn't all right because i'm growing and i'm this is helping me along the way don't make me feel like a piece of shit like i didn't do it exactly you know and that's why you know that truthfully that's a big reason why we started this podcast you know we wanted to start the podcast brandon started the a place for my head website to give people a safe space Mm -hmm. where hey if you need to talk we're here Mm-hmm. If you need to vent, we're here. We're all going through the same stuff. You know, I, there's unity in numbers. Yep. You're not alone. And, and that's a big reason why we started this podcast to go along with his website. Yep. So uh, number four on the list, uh, depression, again, myth. Depression is a normal part of growing up. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, man. 
In 2017, an estimated 13.3% of U.S. teenagers between the ages of 12 and 17 experienced at least one major depressive episode during that year. Think about that. 13%. And you, and you may think, well, that's not really a whole lot. But when you consider thinking about the size of, an, of a school, now, more than one in 10 deals with this. Right. And that's just at the beginning stages of all this stuff. So guess what? That 13% grows into the other 63%, sorry, 63.8% that we were talking about earlier. No doubt. It's, it's the same stat. It just grows. Right. And, 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 you know, something to keep in mind, you know, everybody knows the teenagers are difficult already. You know, you're going yeah. through puberty, the hormone changes, the body changes, the awkwardness, the social awkwardness, the all of it. You know, a lot of times that's how depression presents itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or look, I'll just read it again. The myth number four, depression is a normal part of growing up. I, I feel like someone that would say that uh, as a factual statement would would uh, they're referring to someone being sad. Mm-hmm. All right. You can be sad. People are sad. We all get sad at some point. We can be sad. We can feel depressive things, perhaps. But that is not depression. No. It's not. It's just not. Like if a kid gets a bad grade and they're upset with themselves, they're sad. That is not depression. That's just going through, like, emotions. Right. It's not the same. Yeah, there's a big difference between being emotional. Emotional and and depression. Yeah. A huge difference. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's frustrating because uh, especially, you know, things are so different from when we grew up, mm. you know, because when we grew up, we didn't have the stress of social media and, right. and not to go back on that. Cause we talked about it two episodes ago, but right. it's a big aspect of this. It is, isn't it? You know, you see kids every single day, stories about an 11 year old getting bullied that kills himself. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. How do, how as a society, how do we let that happen? <sighs> I, There's just like no no real answer to that. You could be more proactive as a parent, but at the end of the day, the parents that aren't being proactive with their children okay, that are doing but, the bullying, it, it, you can't stop that. But typically the bullying happens at school. So the parents aren't at school during school hours to prevent this. But that's not entirely and, and, true. I, and I'm not trying, I'm not, don't Try, get me wrong, I'm yeah. not trying to pass the buck and say, well, we're the whole you know, the school. But, you know, someone at the schools need to monitor this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But even when they monitor it, they just they just grab their their smartphone and then go to town, right? Right, social media. Yeah. So it's like you can't stop it unless let's just get rid of all social media. It's it's so scary because you know again, and we've said this before, you know we can only pull from our our, our own life experiences. You know we can only pull from what we've lived through, and you know growing up, I, I you know I wouldn't say I was bullied uh, because that's not the I wouldn't put it that way at all. But, you know, I was always the quiet kid. I was always the shy kid. I kept to myself. I never caused problems. Uh, on, on the surface, you know, you would have thought I was this really outgoing kid. But truthfully, I wasn't. You know, the only time I ever got in trouble at school was my freshman year of high school. And this kid, I don't know what the hell his problem was. But he just rode me like a mule. Mm. And one day, I finally had enough. And I picked the kid up by the throat and I put him through a locker. There you go. And I just looked and went, I think we're done now. Stop. <laughs> I think we're done. Yeah. So we both get called into the, uh, the assistant principal's office and he talks to that kid first. Then he calls me into the office and he just looks at me because he knew me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just looked at me and he cracked up laughing. He goes, all right, that's totally out of character. What the hell's going on? Yeah. 
And by the time we were done, he was literally laughing at me about it because I was the good kid that never caused any problems. You know, I didn't get suspended. I didn't get detention. I got away with it. All right. I'm going <laughs> to, but he knew me well enough to know that somebody pushed me to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Now that was 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. If that were to happen these days, you're right. People would be on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, you know, what, what, the, what the hell else do they, I mean, there's so many out there, Snapchat, and all, all that stuff. Like, <clears throat> and, and then, and then everybody has to whip out their phones and videotape the kid being bullied. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Uh, really? I mean that. And then there's these kids, man, they're, they're taking pictures of themselves and, Sending it through various sites that make, I guess, like the picture disappears. And like, I don't know, man, there's so many things out there and these kids are saving him. And, and then they're like throwing them on the internet to, to just destroy people. And it's like, first of all, why would you ever do that? But then again, they're kids, their minds are growing. And then the other side of it is like, shit, you're ruining these lives. Like, I mean, it's like, the internet's so, forever. Yeah. You know, you post a video, it's out there forever. Mm hmm. You know, and that kid is always going to look back and go, oh, my God, that was me. Right. right. You know, and, and the, the psychological effect of that is insane. Mm-hmm. I, I can't even imagine being a teenager these days. No. Right. Now, granted, they grew up with it, so they kind of know how to navigate it a little bit. But had this shit been around when we were kids, I, I don't think we'd have been able to handle it well. No. Well, and I don't think that they, I'm not sure that they handle it well, that well either. Right. You know, unless you're, unless you're the popular kid and stuff like that. Right. You know, if you're just trying to fit in. Yeah. I but even, even that, then imagine being the popular kid and one thing happens and ends up on the internet and it's over. That's true. That's true. It's over. That's true. It's just, uh, you know, don't be afraid to talk to your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to talk to your kids these days. Because, you know, like we, we said a couple episodes ago, the human interaction with, with life just in general as humans, you know, you got to interact. You've got to communicate. You've got to talk. And it's so important because, you know, we, we, we joked a, a while back about the whole, oh, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no. No. Not fine. No. You know, talk to your kids. Know what's going on. You know, if they don't want to talk to you, Make them talk to you. Right. Because again, there are too many kids, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old that are killing themselves because they don't see any other way out. They, again, don't want to feel that way for the rest of their lives. Right. Because they can't escape it. They're kids. They don't know that it's bigger than that. Right. Because to them, that's their world. Right. And it's just, it's It's sad. It's sad. uh, Something that can't be talked about enough. I mean, stuff like that just bothers the hell out of me because, you know, I I wish looking back, I wish when I was a kid, I would have had someone recognize some of the depression issues that I had and said, hey, what's going on with you? Mm -hmm. Because I just buried them. Yeah. Like we all deal with them and internalize into dude. I internalize everything. But, you know, I, I wish somebody would have recognized that and said, "Okay, what's really going on with you? Because yeah. had somebody taken that step to do that, right. things might be different today. I, I completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> completely agree. Now that I'm off my soapbox, let's move on to myth number five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is something that you and I can't really delve into much, but you can because you're a parent. Mm-hmm. All women develop depression after giving birth. That's a myth. Total myth. 
I mean, I'll let you speak on this one since, you know, you're the parent in the family in the group here. Well, yeah. And then, you know, uh, I, how I was just about to say, I know I've known several pregnant women. <laughs> um, no, I, I, you know, I just, you get to an age and, and you know, your, your colleagues, your, your friends and, uh, and such are, they start to build families around the same time you do kind of thing. Right. Um, and you know, the postpartum depression is a real thing. Um, I've seen, I've seen, you know, friends that have gone through, uh, it's usually from what I understand, it's, it's usually, um, not very, it's not a lengthy amount of time that they go through, but, uh, it can be pretty bad and it can, you know, it can get severe and stuff like that, but not every single woman does it, you know, not every single woman goes through it. Uh, my wife didn't, um, but you know, just to shed light on what that is, you know, when you're pregnant, man, I could probably F this up pretty bad, but I don't want to, but, um, just based off conversations and stuff like that, it's almost like, um, when you're pregnant, everything's about you, Mm -hmm. everybody's taking care of you. You know, you're going to all these doctor visits and everything's about you and the baby, you and the baby, you and the baby, you and the baby. And then when you have the baby. And it's about the baby, right? Right. And then, you know, it's, it, I don't want, it's not an attention thing. No, I, I, I right? get where you're going with so it. So it's like you are part of this important process for nine months and then, you know, you have the child and then you, you're so happy. You fall in love with the kid. And, I mean, trust me, it happens every time, but then there's something, there's a void, you know, and that void could be many different things that was part of the pregnancy, but there's a void and we all know what voids feel like when something's been taken away. Like when right. you go through a breakup or, you know, any of that kind of stuff, there's a, there's a bat of like a little section of time where you're not happy. You're right. upset. You're depressed. Like you're going through something right now. Um, but hopefully those things are short lived and not permanent. Right. So that's, that's what I know to the well, best I, of my knowledge. I was going to say, and, and you know, again, take what we say on this one with a grain of salt, because obviously yeah. we have no way to, yeah, because I to speak on this, and I'm sure somewhere down the road we'll we'll talk to someone that's dealt with it. I'm sure, right? I'm sure so, some lady's absolutely mad at me right now that's gone through something like this that downloaded the podcast. I apologize to you, ma'am. I would love to talk to you. Uh, I'm not an expert on this. I just just based off stories that I've had with others, right? So. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, you hear stories of you know women that don't snap out of it after a short time, and they come to resent their children. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's scary. It's scary. That's, that's when, when really, really bad things happen. But let's move on to something we can talk about a little bit. And one of the premises of this podcast, myth number six, that men don't develop depression. This one might be my favorite. I think we can both speak a little bit on this one because, yeah. uh, like I said, that's part of the reason why we started this podcast mm-hmm. was to open the door and, and open the communication because, you know, a lot of times guys don't know how to express it. Right. And it's not macho to be depressed or sad and stuff like that. And the main reason that this needs to be talked about. And one of the main reasons that tie into this show is unfortunately everybody gets, can get depression or be depressed or go through any type of chronic depression. However, the difference there uh, with a major factor is men statistically and factually are more likely to commit suicide than women. Mm. And I think a lot of various reasons go into it. And it's the macho stuff, the not wanting to get help. I can beat this on my own. I've got this, whatever. I'm not going to take this medication anymore. <laughs> the list is very long. Um, and the, the, the stereotypical approach to it that 
men are stronger than what, 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 what bullshit, man. We all have the same kind of brain. We all have the same kind of brain. If anything, I would say a woman is more, is a lot more tougher than a lot of men. Mm-hmm. I mean, through pain, through whatever, uh, people underestimate women and, and overlook men in this, in this area, I think. Well, like you said, it's the stereotypical BS, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, we, we've joked before about us growing up where, you know, you're the man, you can't show anything. Well, you know what? Bullshit card. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are struggling because they don't know how to express it. Yep. You know, like I said earlier, if they don't understand what's going on with them, how can they explain to you what's going on with them? Precisely. You know, so it, it goes back to that. And we've we've talked a lot about this subject. And, you know, that that conversation is going to continue over the the length of this podcast, you know, months, years, whatever. However long we're doing this. Well, I mean, it's not going to go away. So why would we stop talking about it? Bingo. Exactly. So moving on to myth number seven is the whole stigma that, you know, it runs in the family, that a person will develop depression if a family member has it. Um, Okay. Maybe, but not always. No, it's yeah. It's not it. Yeah. It's not an always thing. Does it make you more susceptible to it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, uh, Look, genetics are genetics. Uh, if if a parent or parents, you know, share uh, or were alcoholics back in the day, there's you have a higher risk as you know the child of having the same type of addictive personality or issue along the road. Something that you might want to be careful with, you know, as you get through adult life and stuff like that. But sometimes that's not always the case, right? So just because your you know your mom or dad was bipolar, that doesn't mean you are too. of the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Genetics play a role in everything in your life, but to say, Oh, well you will. And you're guaranteed to have, no, your mom was off a rocker. So that means you are too. (laughs) Come on. My mama's batshit crazy. So you are too. No, that doesn't work like that. Um, I, I think the next myth is, is something interesting and it's something that we've never really talked about much. Uh, myth number eight, on the uh, list of 16 myths about depression from uh, medicalnewstoday.com is taking antidepressants, antidepressants, there we go, for our English-speaking folk. Uh, it's a lifetime commitment. Not true. That's a, that's a big stigma that I've heard all the time, probably more than I should, is that, oh, well, you know, if you take something, you're going to be on it forever. Yeah, it's like, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm thinking about like a movie just came to my head. I was like, uh, this is 40. Have you seen that? I'm not familiar. It's a funny movie, um, but there's like a scene where this guy's complaining about his wife and the, their new kids, and he's an older father now, and, and he kind of reveals that he, he's not perfect, and, and he complains about his wife keeping Prozac alive. You know, like, like that's it's it's funny in the sense of the joke right you know like she's she's taking prozac to keep you know them in business and her life straight but some people take like antidepressants only x amount of time to get them through an episode or something like that to where they're on a healthy level but then there's other people that actually need the medication to function and without it they're a mess so hey it's 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 not 100 percent a lifetime commitment but it could be some a commitment for someone well, what, what, yeah, let me ask a stupid question. You know, if you're going through a, uh, a depressive state like this, what's the difference in taking an antidepressant to get you through that state 
as opposed to having the flu and taking antibiotics. What's the difference? So there's a huge difference, actually. Um, okay, well, um, please. And it's, you know, and this is just uh, research and talking to physicians and all kinds of stuff like that. But an antidepressant is, is something um, you don't just like take uh, sort of like if you go get a pack or something, right, to get you through the cold or whatever um, you have going on. When you start an antidepressant, it takes about anywhere from um, six to 12 weeks or it's like four to eight weeks to actually uh, start really working for an individual. Okay. That's, that's, that's the uh, standard um, for all of them. And they also have different side effects. Um, you know, so some, some, you know, women or anybody for that instance are reluctant to try a certain drug because one of the main, um, uh, you know, well, shit, I just lost the, whatever the condition, the, the side effects, sorry, mm -hmm. um, would be gaining weight. So they're like, oh, hell no, I don't stay away from that. Give me something else. Right. But then you got to deal with those set of other things that could happen to you as well. Um, that being said, these drugs um, focus on, on parts of your brain that have been identified as not working properly and causing the chemical imbalance. So these will bring in... Um, uh, like, no, what's the, the, like when you work out, you release, um, adrenaline. To, uh, no, it's not adrenaline. It's, uh, it's, the, it's a chemical in your brain that makes you happy. And I can't, I can't think of the actual term of it. Endorphins. Right. Yeah. So okay. those get launched by these medicines, right? So they replace the non-existing ones, right. And, and get in there. And if you were to just stop taking it after you felt better, they have serious, serious side effects like suicidal thoughts. Mm. So it's something you have to be tapered off of. However, if you go down the, the benzo road, which is uh, your clonopin, Xanax, and you know all those in that family, which those are truly temporary um, fixes. So those are the band-aids of, of the mental health world. Um, so you're not supposed to stay on Xanax for your entire life. Right. Right. Um, but if you're going through like, uh, an anxiety ridden, you know, couple of months or something like that, it's like, Hey, they'll, it's, I, it's my understanding. They'll prescribe this type of thing to, to kind of get you through the rough patch. And then in the end, evaluate how you are to get you on, uh, you know, a more stable, um, you know, way moving forward kind of thing and not have to lean on the benzos and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, taking an, an a true antidepressant is is it, it's a it's a long term commitment, and you have to you have to go to the doctor that prescribes it very often so that they can you know look you over and try to understand it, what's going on right and if it's working and then adjust doses and maybe the medicine's not working at all and they need to switch to something different. There's all kinds of different things to go into it, but it's not it's not a short window. It's a commitment. Okay. Yeah. See, I and I I have personally have no experience with that. Um, so I'm glad you kind of explained it that way because I, I get it. I, I, my point was, you know, taking an antibiotic when you've got the flu is a temporary thing, right? It's not always a permanent thing. Oh my God, you've got the flu. So you're going to be on steroids the rest of your life. Right. That, that was my point with all of that, but I'm glad you explained that because I yeah. didn't, I, I don't always, it's like someone that's having a panic attack or someone that has them every once in a while. Right. Like you don't like Xanax would absolutely help with that or like a clonopin would absolutely help with that because it calms you down. And, um, uh, frankly, sometimes you just put you right to sleep depending on the dosage, but, um, it's, it's the same thing. So if I'm like freaking out, it's like, okay, this person should take a Xanax or whatever, um, to get through that moment. And then you're out of it. 
you don't have to be tapered off unless you're taking it every single day. You can't just stop taking something gotcha. like that. You still have to be tapered off, but those are more the band-aid drugs and the other ones are long-term drugs. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. Again, then. I'm not a professional or an expert. No, but I mean, you obviously have knowledge about this that, you know, I obviously I don't. Right. Because I totally came at that from the, the wrong perspective. So I, I appreciate you, uh, sure. you know, straightening that out. Sure, sure. Uh, moving on to number nine on the myth list. And I don't really think we need to elaborate too much on this one. Uh, everyone experiences depression in the same way. Well, does Come that on. even mean? Yeah. So let's just move on to number yeah. 10 because that's not even worth talking about. Because no. frankly, all of us know that's, that's bullshit. So uh, I, I, I actually want to talk about this one a little bit. Number 10. On the myth list, on uh, the 16 myths about depression, depression and sadness or self-pity are the same thing. Mm. This goes back to what I was talking about earlier about people saying, well, you come across like a victim. Yeah. It's like, that's not my intention at all. Mm-mm. Like not even remotely close to my intention when I talk about things. So easy to take some out of context. Well, exactly. And, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, if someone hasn't been in your shoes, how can they speak on it? Duh. I mean, it's ignorance in itself. Right. You can't talk to me about something you know nothing about or you don't know what I'm going through. Exactly. You know, again, depression isn't sadness. It isn't self-pity. It isn't woe is me. You know, it's it's a legitimate issue. Yeah. Yes. And until someone has gone through it themselves and openly, look, I, I never under, I, I always thought, oh, I've got depression. I thought that was a cop out for a long time. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a bullshit excuse of, okay, well, you're just settling for whatever and snap out of it. And having gone through it now myself, I look at it from a totally different perspective because I really was going through it at the time. I just didn't know what the hell it was. And, you know, that's that's so common. You know, as a kid, you can't you're not going to be like, oh, I'm bipolar. Right. <laughs> like, you don't you don't know why you're feeling the why you're you know, you just don't know. Right. And, you know, uh, look, and I, 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 we've talked about this before. I'm, I'm the first person to make myself the butt of every joke. That's just how I am. But it, it's a self-defense mechanism. I don't even know how I don't get I don't get this. I don't get this myth. Sadness and self-pity are the same thing. Like, I, I don't, I, I just don't understand. Like sadness is one thing and self-pity is another. It's almost like self-pity is more of like an action that you do to yourself mm-hmm. as opposed to being sad. You can't control that. Right. How is that? How yeah. Could that I, ever be the same thing? Yeah. I, I don't know either because they're definitely three totally separate things. Yeah. So, you know, again, <sighs> Speaking from from experience, because I know I have put myself in the position personally where I'll be the first to put myself down. I'll be the first to make myself the butt of the joke. And I've had people call me on it. Mm. And it's like half the time I don't even realize I do it. Yeah. Well, because you've been doing it for so long. Right. It's your go to mechanism. It's like being a uh, what an octopus that can change colors whenever it's a defense mechanism. Exactly. You know, and it's, we, we've joked about it before in other episodes. It's like the, the eight mile movie, mm-hmm. Eminem ripping himself before somebody else could rip him. Yep. You know, and it's like, there's nothing you can say about me that I'm not going to say first. Right. You know, so does that come across as a victim as me being a victim? 
No. I don't think so. It didn't seem that way in 8 Mile. That shit was badass. <laughs> <laughs> Is it self-pity? No. I think it would be more of a low self-esteem thing. Yeah, maybe. But sadness and self-pity, I don't, um, I don't know. I don't know. And, and the next one on the list is certainly something I can speak about. Uh, keeping busy cures depression. Uh, I can tell you firsthand, being a workaholic only makes shit worse. Yeah, it can make shit worse for sure. It can absolutely make shit worse because all you're doing is deflecting, you know, the real issue and putting your focusing all of your attention into something else instead of handling the issue at hand. Yeah. And this, I mean, this speaks to me in many ways because keeping busy could also mean self-medicating. Absolutely. Because, because, because you're going to, you're trying to keep yourself busy to get you, get you out of that depressive state. Well, when you're sad and you're in that depressive state, a few drinks might make you happier. Mm-hmm. And we've heard people say that on this show. So. Absolutely. And, and one of the things in this article uh, you know, she said, quote, instead, people may wish to focus on a few of their regular tasks during a depressive episode. You know, don't try to take on too many large tasks, break them into smaller, more manageable ones and avoid doing too many things at once. I think that's great advice. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got this monster presentation at work and you're depressed out of your mind, take that presentation one step at a time. Yeah, absolutely. don't 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 judge the forest from the trees. Yeah, I personally, what I do with, with big tasks like that and presentations and whatnot, I use, I like to, you know, start it, get it going, and then step away from it for a while, mm-hmm. clear my head, come back to it, and do that a few times, and, and it usually, I mean, it works for me. Well, and that's great advice, because she basically says the same thing in this article, that people should also postpone making any important decisions or commitments during depressive episodes so they can make clearer, more objective choices. So you guys are totally on the same page there. Don't, don't, if you're emotional, if you're upset about something, uh, sad, whatever, any type of elevated, uh, escalated <laughs> emotional state. We're both having trouble talking today, by the way. Right, right. Yeah. Do not, that's not the best time to, to, to make a decision or, or yeah, just, you could just let it, let it chill out. And then when you're rational, go make that decision. Absolutely. Number 12 on the list of, uh, the 16 myths about depression Depression develops at a certain age. Eh. Not even worth it. Nope. Number 13, people with depression always seem sad or show obvious symptoms. We have talked about this at length, you know, whether it was Robin Williams, Chester Bennington, you know, uh, they say stand-up comics can't, can't be funny without the opposite. I mean, that, that's what makes a great stand-up comic is mm-hmm. you've got to go through the bullshit to be able to make jokes about it. Yep. You know, and everybody just assumes, oh, well, they're laughing. They're having a good time. They're all good. Yeah. Or I'm fine. Right. <laughs> yeah. We always end up going back to the I'm fine. Thing. Right. I, well, it's yeah, it just makes the most sense. I mean, and, and you mentioned Chester and stuff like that. But like, I remember his wife uh, got really personal and posted a video, which is all over the Internet. And she she wanted to make a point. You know, she shared a personal video of them having family time. And it was they were playing some sort of game or something like that. And she was video videoing it with her phone and he was laughing, giggling with his kid. And like, I mean, all this stuff. And she, and she said it right then and there. She's like, this is what depression looked like just hours before his, his death. Mm-hmm. And he looked totally fine, was completely fine, laughing his ass off. And then mm-hmm. next thing we know, next, just in a matter of hours, we know what happened. So, yeah, mm-hmm. no, absolutely. You know, uh, not everybody is, is droopy dog. You right. Know? Right. I mean, uh, we, we've talked at length about, you know, it's easy to put on an act so people don't know. It's the whole tears of a clown syndrome. 
Yeah, totally. You know, if if I keep people laughing and joking, they're not going to know what what's really going on in my head. Yeah, and you know, that's I I, I hate that people actually think that that's the case. That people right. are sad and and show obvious symptoms and and are mopey and are down and because that's just not true. Mm-mm. Nope. Number fourteen on the list: depression is a natural part of aging. Huh? I can I can. I can kind of see where that would be a thing. Okay. As you get older, you know, if you're married, your spouse passes away, you're by yourself. I mean, but aren't we all supposed to go see now if we get there? Well, and aren't we all aging? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. But, I, you know, in terms of this, this study, I, I kind of get it. Because as you get older, you also deal with chronic health issues. Yeah. You know, you deal with, you know, death, people around you passing away. I, I kind of, I kind of get it I, in a roundabout way. I, I kind of get it. But th- those are all, those are all symptoms of being sad and going through emotions as you right. get older. It does, that doesn't define depression. Right. So but I could see how that could lead into depression. Oh yeah. I, I mean, so, so, so yeah. far of, of, of the 14 myths we've gone through, this one might make the most sense of all of them. Yeah, I would agree. So, you know, something to keep in mind, you know, whether it's like chronic health issues or, you know, just getting older, you know, things like that, you know, look out for people. But number 15 on the list uh, of the 16 myths about depression, talking about depression makes it worse. Well, Well, if that's the case, why the fuck are we here? Exactly. I was going to say, we are doing everybody like a a not cool thing by doing this show, if that's the case. But I You get a trigger and you get a trigger and you get a trigger. Yeah, no. Again, the whole premise of this podcast is to open the the door and open the conversation so people do talk about it. So people aren't afraid of the stigma of, you know, oh, my God, I'm depressed. Nobody can help me. Oh, woe is me. Blah, 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 blah you got to talk about it because it's a real issue. It's a real thing. And you know, the sooner you can open yourself up and the sooner you can talk about it, chances are, it's probably going to make you feel a little better work for me because there's, and, and I said this to, to Sharon Feckety when she was on a couple of weeks ago, there's no worse feeling in the world than feeling like you're on an Island. Yeah. Like you're, you're by yourself and you have no idea what to do. Right. So, and finally on the list, herbal supplements can help treat depression. I 100% agree with this. Okay. Only because there are certain things out there that that can help people that work for them. Right. So I'm not saying this is 100% factual. As a blanket statement. Correct. But there are things out there that really do help people. And more power to them. But like I said, there's other people that this kind of stuff doesn't do shit for them. And they need other, they need other types of help to get them through their stuff. But... People like to do the, the the omega-3s and the fish oils and the and the CBD oils and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's sometimes it, it actually could help someone. Maybe it's a... Maybe it's a placebo effect? Yeah, like it's in their head and, and you know, they talk themselves into thinking that it helps. But either way, if it gets them through their thing, it can help them. So I don't, I don't, I don't buy that this is a 100% myth. Right. I, I think of, of everything on the list, that one and the one about aging, yeah. the natural part of aging. Yeah. Those are the two that... I think have the most credibility. Yep. Um, you know, no doubt because I, I know people that, you know, don't handle prescription drugs well, but they do the all natural. They do the essential oils. They do this, they do that, you know, 
God bless them. They find their way to work. Yeah. Like, I mean, and for me, like I've tried herbal, um, you know, solutions and stuff like that. Like, uh, not weed. I'm talking like, uh, like melatonin for sleep Mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff like that. And that stuff, you know, depending on how strong it is, can make me sick. And I've got a pretty tough stomach, but I've woken up in the middle of the night after I've taken something like that and it was too strong. And I'm just like, ah, so, you know, likewise. So if, 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 if the medications really don't work with people's bodies, it's the same the other way around. So. Right. And, and, you know, I want to be clear when, you know, when people say herbal supplements, they always put the air quotes around it because yeah. you know, we know what you're talking about. And that's not what we're talking about. Right. Here. Right. 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 Uh, hey, look, if, if weed works for you, giddy up, get you some great. Yep. But, you know, like he mentioned, the, the omega-3 fatty acids, you know, the the St. John's wort, the the essential oil type stuff. You know, if you find something that works for you, you do you. Yeah. Yes. To hell with what everybody else thinks. I couldn't have said it any better. You know, if you find something that works for you that isn't self-harming or damaging, like alcohol, because that don't don't misinterpret the two. Right. Yeah. There's a difference between the self, the bad self-medicating and finding things like like these natural things to get you through your your episodes and stuff like that in a healthy manner. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so if you find something that helps you, God bless you, Uh, you know, and, you know, if you want to share your opinions on this list, you know, we'd love to hear from you on social media as well. You know, you can find Brandon at Brandon promo. Uh, That's Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N promo, P-R-O-M-O. You can find me everywhere at Jerry P. Tuck, P-E-T-U-C-K. Again, the National Suicide Hotline is 800-273-8255. This is our last episode before uh, the Christmas holiday. So, you know, anybody that observes a Christmas holiday, we hope you guys have a good one. Absolutely. Um, You know, be safe. Don't do anything stupid. Um, You know, and and we'll definitely see you next week. Uh, You know, I think next week, the next show, with the New Year right around the corner. Why don't we talk about new year's resolutions? I knew you were going to say that. I was about to say it. And I'm like, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Yeah. I think we should. Cause I, I've got some opinions on those. Me too. Cause I think they're shit. Well, obviously <laughs> it's like, that's why that, that that's when, that's when gyms make their money for the year. No shit. I was just about to go there. It's like, if you regularly go to the gym, someone tell me you don't avoid it the first couple of weeks of the, of the new year because Planet everybody's fitness, in there. Planet fitness, LA fitness, you know, yeah, all, all that. They love you in January. Yeah, of course. Or in December. Yeah, but, you know, New Year's resolution, you're not going to do that shit until January 1st. True, I guess. So, you know, basically what we're saying is from January 1st to about the 14th, you're going to be balls to the wall. Yeah, maybe. If you last that long. Probably. <laughs> Doubtful. Doubtful. <laughs> I mean. But yeah, let, let's talk about that next week. So, uh, guys, thanks for uh, downloading. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to the podcast. You can find us pretty much anywhere that podcasts are found. Help us spread the word on what we're doing. Uh, you know, again, we're just a couple of guys trying to make a difference. You know, we want to open that 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 communication and, and that conversation. And, you know, we're far from professionals you know, we aren't experts. We're just sharing our opinion. And, and again, we'd love to hear your thoughts on things as well. So hit us up on social media. Don't forget to check out the A Place for My Head website. It's a place for my And until next week, guys, he's Brandon Thompson. I'm Jerry P. Tuck. Have a great Christmas. Enjoy the holidays as much as you can. Uh, if you're struggling this time of year, hang in there because it, it will get better. And until next time, guys, don't forget to hashtag get it out.
Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crochelle. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com. 